Hello, everyone, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. I'm Nick, here with Chris. It is the day after St. Patrick's Day, so it's nothing special. It's yeah. just a Monday. Yeah. Fuck but the it's Irish. Weekly Manga Recap Day, which does Fuck make Fuck the Irish. Boom! Roasted. 20% yeah. Irish. Yeah, the, I'm sure that they deserve that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. They've had it too easy for too long. <laughs> the Irish. <laughs> <laughs> that group of people that <laughs> were hated so much that they were declared not white <laughs> a century and a half ago. It's, I forget where I saw it. I think it was on Reddit, but it was somebody who was trying to use St. Patrick's Day as a reason for why cultural appropriation is stupid. Because he's like, the Irish just like to party. They don't care who parties. And I was like, I'm pretty sure almost every American run, like St. Patrick's Day things, generally not run by actual Irish people. Maybe people who are like descendants from Irish. But I'm pretty sure I've heard that like actual people from Ireland get really annoyed when like American born people like try to be like, I'm 6% Irish. I'm going to fucking just throw around shillelaghs all day. Yeah, I've, I've, I can definitely see how like, you know, there, you can be annoyed at, you know, something that has to do with your cultural heritage being used to just drink a lot. I mean, it's the exact same thing with Cinco de Mayo. You know, it's like, oh, Cinco de Mayo, so I'll get drunk. Except this time, amber colored instead of green. <laughs> Yay! That's what it's going to be. Yeah. Anyway. Great, you know, uh, cultural uh, commentary here on we Week of Recap. We know, we know that that's what you guys come here for. Mm-hmm. So uh, we will be discussing the uh, societal uh, implications of uh, the manga this week uh, and the way that they reflect on our uh, the zeitgeist of our world. Nah, whatever it is. <laughs> I was like, Nick. Let's talk know. about manga chapters, <laughs> what don't we? I don't know how to break this to you. I don't know what a zeitgeist is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of intimidated. <laughs> Let's do that. Let's do that, Nick. Question one. What is a zeitgeist? <laughs> let's handle this. But yeah, let's just get, why don't we just get into it? Because we're starting a little bit later than we intended to. We uh, are start, are doing something a little bit different for the broadcast this time. Uh, it is kind of paying dividends, but also giving us a little bit of frustration. So let's see how Discord works over Skype this time around. Yeah, for the longest time, Nick hasn't been able to see all the hilarious hand job motions I've been making. Or your glorious beard. Thank you. By the way, yeah, I'm, really, I'm really trying to grow this out. I was trying. I was trying to grow one myself, and I finally got. It's like, ah, I like the way that this looks. I hate the way that it feels. It's going away. <laughs> I very quickly learned you really have to actually do maintenance to your beard to not make it an annoying yeah. hay, like hell. So it was like, hey, you have to have beard oil and beard you shampoo. Make sure that, and I was like, what? You got to put something in it to make it actually feel comfortable on your face. Like I was, I was like, oh, I found a setting on my razor that I like the way that it looks, and then I start, I started feeling. I was like, it's all scratchy. No, yeah. this is going away. So <laughs> I give up. I'm not a real man. <laughs> <laughs> I can't handle this. It's too tough for me. It's 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 like being back in high school, uh, senior year, when myself and a group of guys did, you know, No Shave November or October, and I forget which one we did. And like halfway through, I was just like, "This is itchy. I'm just going to just grow, you know, a mustache and then shave the rest. It's too itchy. I can't handle this." You know, that's honestly become the most irritating part of growing my beard out because I like I don't shave, you know, just let the beard grow out. And because that, I don't regularly, like, trim my mustache. So I, mm-hmm. I realize every time that I'm like, oh, my mustache is getting too long when I'm eating something. I'm like, that's hairs. I'm just mm-hmm. biting hairs. Time to go upstairs and trim that down a bit. 
It's so, going up into my nose. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what ha- I don't know how you manage that with uh, a much thicker uh, mustache. I think that I just lucked out in the way that it grew in the way that it grows. Although sometimes I do get the occasional hair that uh, goes rogue. So, yeah. Um, yeah. This is compelling really, stuff for our audience too, by the way. <laughs> like this right, this right here is like the most cooperative bit of hair on my entire body. Like if I let my if I let this grow out, it just goes and it looks hideous. I should get haircuts like twice as often as I do. Anyway, speaking of stupid hair, there are some people in my hair academia with stupid haircuts. So that's a great transition into my hair academia. Number 220, my villain academia. So hardcore and edgy, Chris. Honestly, this opening page where Shigaraki like reaches his hand out and like breaks the title is the stupidest, lamest, and yet most awesome thing. <laughs> it reminds me, I don't know why. There's like there, there was a very simple charm to like stupid gimmicks in the 90s. And yeah. I don't know if you ever watched the show Clarissa Explains It All. No. Uh, but like the opening was essentially like her trying to write Clarissa in yes, the air. Yes, and then people and keep going messing uh, her up. But like there were like three episodes, or maybe that wasn't even that much. But there was like one or two episodes where her little brother Ferguson was the main character, and the, the show became, and the show became Ferguson explains it all, and he would like come in and interrupt it, and then he'd write Ferguson and flip it around. And as a child, I was like, "It's never going to be better than this." He came in and changed the word on the screen to Ferguson. He's incredible, magic. I honestly love corrupted versions of title sequences like that, mm-hmm. like uh, Gravity Falls uh, when it you know it gets to uh, Weird Mageddon. Uh, and uh, the entire trial sequence is all screwed up and and uh, mind fucky. That's awesome. Whenever like a villain takes over a show and does something like that is like that's I love whenever they go the extra mile in order to do that. Um, you know, have some fun with it. Mm-hmm. This is a chapter that focuses pretty much entirely on the League of Villains and what they've been up to over the last month and a half since we last saw them taking out. Uh, overhaul and uh, it turns out that being a villain uh, being a ragtag group of societal rejects who are trying to take down an entire civilization of superheroes it's kind of hard going uh we see them fight this group of cultists uh who seem to hate uh, they're, they're referred to as the creature rejection clan basically a bunch of uh, they're basically the kkk uh, this old-time uh, hate group cult uh, that hate people who are different than them. In this case, uh, people with quirks. And so, well, specifically, uh, they, I think they hate people with physical quirks. Something that changes mm-hmm. their physical appearance. So, Spinner in particular uh, gets a lot of their hatred because he's a lizard guy. And uh, we get a brief fight sequence because they attack them with candelabras. <laughs> They're just like all of them have candelabras, like <laughs> very effective weapon. Um, and we see a brief fight sequence of the League of Villains just murdering all of them. It's actually really cool to see them in action and see how deadly they can be. Like you know, twice with his his ruler blade thing, uh, Mister Compressed, just you know, shrinking limbs off of people. Sheik Rocky, of course, disintegrating people. But we also see that there are some after effects uh, of the fighting, like. Uh, uh, Himi Toga has uh, broken one of her uh, blood sucky things. Mm. Uh, 
Mr. Compress complains that his artificial arm is acting up. Uh, and they're like, we need to get, you know, some more equipment. And Chigarok is like, yeah, and where are we got the, I'm going to get the money for that. Uh, my favorite quote, maybe of the entire week, maybe of the year thus far is twice be like, there's not much money in religion nowadays, huh? And it goes <laughs> up to Mr. Compressed. And he's like, in this economy? <laughs> <laughs> no, what are you talking about? I don't oh, even man. think it's intended to be a joke, but it comes across so great of Mr. <laughs> yeah. Compressed. Like, in this economy? What are you? <laughs> Mr. Compress. <laughs> Open mic night. <laughs> um. They've ra- so they raid this uh, cult and take some of it back to their hideout, which is in a construction site in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and everyone's kind of just complaining about their living conditions. They're in this hovel. Uh, Toga and Twice kind of bond a little bit because she managed to scrounge up this kind of pretty looking necklace, which Twice compliments slash criticizes in his usual fashion. Mm-hmm. And then Dobby shows back up. And I love this exchange between him and, and uh, twice. Cause he's like, am I the only one going around looking for recruits? And twice is like, you've just been going around murdering everyone. He's like, well, yeah, they're all, they all sucks. <laughs> everyone is worthless, but me. <laughs> so, well, let's see here. You have, uh, hmm, you can summon monsters from hell, but can you, can you shoot blue fire from your hands? No, only me. Well, die then. <laughs> no need for you in a league of villains. What do you say you can do? You can rain meteors down from the sky. The moment swim. Mm. Mm. Sounds Are good. they covered in mo- blue fire though? <laughs> yeah. How many meteors? Only seven. I think we could do better than that. Do you have weird burn scars all over your face that you've like, Etched into your the, into your, the good parts of your face with like earrings. No, uh, Shigaraki kind of recaps uh, the troubles that they've been having. Things have been especially bad ever since uh, Kurogiri was captured because he went out to try and find the power that All for One had left uh, had left for Shigaraki to find. Uh, he says, I will retrieve the power for you. Of course, he got captured, as we saw right before we were first introduced to Gigantomachia. Uh, and Shigaraki also establishes that, uh, you know, he's veiled. And also, we've had no luck finding the doctor. The doctor being all for one's personal doctor, a cautious man who could only, they he was only ever able to contact through the computer at the hideout uh, at the bar from way back when. And uh, he is, in fact, the person who developed and managed the Nomu, not all for one personally. So important there. Spinner has a freak out because he's very frustrated in their current condition. And also the fact that the only reason he ever joined up with the League of Villains was because uh, he was inspired by Stain. He wants to change the world the way that Stain, uh, you know, changed him. And Dobby actually says, like, because, you know, Spinner rushes over to Shigaraki and grabs him by the collar and he's like, I can't take this. This is the reason why I joined with you guys. And Dobby says, so what you're basically saying is that you're just an empty cosplayer. And Spinner says, that's right. Okay, then. Fair enough. All right. Uh, Shigaraki starts to uh, address his concerns, but immediately there's a commotion outside. They all head out and uh, Gigantomachia has shown up. And he's like, are you the one who has succeeded all for one? 
And Chigurak is like, oh, this must be the power that Kuragiri was trying to find. Uh, Gigantomachia drops the radio around his neck on the ground and says, I devote myself to all for one. Now, successor, prove that you are worthy. And that's how we got to the previous chapter with uh, Gigantomachia just picking off the different members of the League of Villains, toying with them, throwing them at the ground. And he actually starts to weep and yell in despair, uh, asking why they are so weak. Uh, at that moment, something comes over the radio that is now on the ground, calling out to Shigaraki saying, you seem to be at a loss. And Shigaraki recognizes the voice as belonging to the doctor. And the narration provided by Spinner, we thought our tale was at a dead end, but now it's picking up steam again. So, uh, seems as though we've got, uh, you know, new members of the League of Villains coming to help them out. I do really like the way that the League is shown in these kinds of moments as this. Uh, they're very, they give me a, a vibe similar to like the Suicide Squad or the Secret Six from DC Comics. Uh, the fact that they're this group of villains who aren't, you know, all world conquering uh, assholes. They are, you know, the dredges of society who banded together because they're not strong enough on their own in order to make a difference. And also the way that their membership is kind of constantly in flux. We've seen them lose so many different members and gain members over the years. They like, you know, gained and lost in the same battle three different uh, fighters when they went to capture Bakugo. They've, mm -hmm. you know, of course lost Magna. They've lost their first Nomu. Uh, they've lost all for one. But they've also constantly gained uh, new members over time as well. And it's interesting to see that dynamic between them where they have that interesting kind of close bond uh, where they have to really depend heavily on each other, but they also don't really like each other. And also they don't, they just kind of keep on going even as they add to their ranks. So, yeah, uh, I, I do like this chapter for mainly that it gives Spinner some detail of all the members of the League of Villains at this point. He's the one who you've kind of always been like, oh, yeah, there's the lizard dude who's also there. Um, yeah. Like even Mr. The guy the who Press. had the sword made of the guy who had the knife made of other knives. <laughs> yeah, Like even Mr. Compressed, we still haven't gotten a ton about him, but we've seen enough of him to this point where you kind of remember that he's a member of the group. But like Spitter kind of periodically shows up and you, you forget he's around. So I appreciate that we got more out of him. And I do like that there's a little bit of a glimpse into this idea that, you know, uh, people with quirks that alter their physical personality are kind of persecuted against. They're disliked. Yeah. Uh, I, I do wish that we got some sense of, you know, persecution or oppressed minorities that exist outside of the villain group that's all super evil for the sake of evil. I appreciate that, you know, this has been one of the seemingly more, I don't know if I want to say progressive, but seemingly at least one of the more open-minded series that Jump has had, especially as a battle manga recently. But it is a bit weird that, you know, we had kind of our first uh, LGBTQ character in Magna who's dead. And then uh, you, you kind of create this idea that there's like a KKK of super of like people in the world. Uh, and the person I hate is also a member of the League of Supervillains when you're like, yeah. I mean, like Tokoyami's still out there, and I don't Shoji, know if they hate. Yeah, like, you. yeah, like there's there's people out there that you'd assume you could show this from from another perspective as well, instead of 
you know, portraying that all the villains, all, all the oppressed people are, are part of the villain group that has no noble intentions whatsoever. There's not even like mm-hmm. a facade that that's what they're doing. They're evil for the sake of evil, essentially, in a lot of ways, although they're all kind of finding their own grounds of like, we were kind of treated like shit to begin with. But outside of that, I'm kind of into it. I don't really know where this is going to go. I don't know if I really want more members for the League of Villains right now, honestly. I'm still kind of trying to adjust to the fact that, like, the people have, like, if Giganto Machia or whatever is, like, gonna help the group or whatever, I think that'd be interesting. But if, like, six, like if fucking seven more people show up, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do this. Uh, also, I also do want to note the last chapter, I was like, where the hell is Davi? And I was like, oh, okay, he is there. He just was one of the ones who didn't get his ass kicked immediately. Um, and... Also, it would be interesting to see if this whole focus on, uh, you know, the people with the mutations are ones that seem to get more persecuted ties into the uh, liberation front that uh, the CEO uh, is tied into because they mm. put a lot of focus on like, hey, hey, there are all these people who have these different quirks that we, you know, cater our products towards and uh, kind of put a lot of focus on like, hey, people you know, have all different body types now and you can't really ignore that. So that seems to be a thing that is uh, being focused on as opposed to just like people have superpowers. It's like their people have these abilities that completely change the way that they look and make them completely inhuman. So. Yeah. Nah. All right. <sighs> so. <sighs> Food Wars, Chapter 303, The Divine Tongue's Despair. I'm not going to say I'm disappointed because, I mean, like we said, this is what was going to happen uh, last week. It's um, it's it does say something where, like, you lower your expectations and then the chapter that comes out, like, still is beneath what you were hoping for. <laughs> yeah, like that was my big like takeaway when I saw Batman versus Superman when I was like, I came in with the lowest of expectations and I still left disappointed and annoyed. <laughs> It is a very, like, angry, defeating feeling when I was like, I didn't expect this chapter to be good, but they didn't even do the, I'll take your knife, Megami, because you've earned my respect. They just fucking, I don't know, maybe they'll do it later, but we didn't even get that moment. Well, they made, she made a big deal of uh, challenging him to a Shokugeki, and I thought that was what was going to happen, was like, okay, well, in exchange, I want you to put, you know, your knife on the line and so that I can, you know, get your power and he made a big deal of like, oh, your hospitality, that'd be interesting and stuff. And we don't even get confirmation if he actually takes that or not. Ah. You um, presume, but you don't make a big deal out of it. Then I saw he beat Megami, by the way. Uh, it's it's done a really it's done a really dumb manner, too, because he takes the two abilities that she had beaten before. Uh the monarch who specializes in bringing the mo- t- getting the most out of high quality ingredients, and then claw guy, uh, <laughs> claw dude. And what he does is they're assigned to give to use these value pack wholesale bargain value beef uh, for their dish, and making me like, oh, then with this, I mean, because monarch, you know, is has this ability, so she won't he won't be able to use that. And I've traveled all around the world learning what to do with inexpensive ingredients. So this is, you know, my chance to, you know, to, 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 to pull this off. And we just see him use the claws to like, I've made the bargain value beef into top grade beef. That's it. <laughs> and now I can pull, get the most out of that with monarch's ability. It's like, 
Okay. <laughs> Whatever. Sure. Asahi, you know, uses his cheat codes to win. Uh, we don't even... Someone tries Megami's dish after trying Asahi's, and it's like, yeah, it's delicious. It's not as good as Asahi's. Asahi wins! <laughs> and that's it. So, it is literally four panels. A third of a page is all we get for Megami's dish, which I suppose is a slight improvement over the <laughs> nothing for Sakasa, <laughs> but it's so deflating when you're like, because it almost started to frame itself like a real Shokugeki, and you were like, oh shit, As- like Asahi's going first, like, and they're all complimenting his food, and like, oh, it's really good, and you're like, is this where like Megami actually has a realistic chance of beating him, because then she's like, yeah, but I'm going to show you how it's really done, and it's like, this is okay. Boom! Asahi's the winner! <laughs> Raise your hands. You're like, On to the next plot point! You're like, good god, does Megami look like a fucking worthless idiot right now? I saw some... I posted about this on Twitter, because I saw uh, someone post some comments, uh, and then I looked into it, and the rumors have actually been circulating for a couple of months now. Uh, basically, the uh, cuisine or uh, dietitian contributor to Food Wars. Her name is Yuki Morisaki. Uh, she had a child uh, this past August. And congratulations to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people have been saying like that, oh, she's been on maternity leave. And so they haven't been consulting with her as much recently. And that's why all the Shokugekis have been stupid lately. And that's why the series has sucked so much. Uh, I don't buy that as an excuse uh, and I don't buy that as the sole reason for it being so now, maybe certain chapters like this, where they just seem to just kind of skip by what the dishes on one side even are like, we didn't see Megami's dish basically at all in this one or in the previous chapter. Uh, the what the, you know, the match with Arena and Takumi, we barely saw any, any of the food. In this entire tournament, there have been quite a few matches where it's just like you've barely seen any of the actual cooking that's happened. I had barely any explanation of what's going on. So, yeah, maybe that is the reason for that particular aspect of it. And it does disrupt the pace of the series when you can't do that. And so you kind of stuff does kind of get condensed in these matches. Even so, you can do you can make things seem more even between competitors and make things seem more important for them to be defeated so easily than has been done in food wars of late. And so it's a big problem with Asahi's ability. And I hope that they do actually bring this into the text of the series. And, you know, that's, they bring it up as like a weakness is that it doesn't actually seem like he is actually a good chef. It's just that he has cheat codes and he combines the abilities of other people. He specifically remarks in this chapter that he, if he got Takumi and Soma's tools and used their abilities together, he could make the varine that they made in the, in the previous Shokugeki without any of that troublesome training. He wouldn't have to work hard to do it. He could just do it because he's magic and bullshit. And because of that, it just because he's been beating these people, it it still doesn't make him look good. 
You know, it no. doesn't make him. See, it, it, it's just like okay, he's stealing other people's abilities and using them as his own, and that's it. Like okay, so there's a lot of issues with this chapter, and I mean the the big one right off the bat is that this just fucking makes Megumi look like a stupid worthless idiot like she looks so stupid after last chapter where she showed like she was like no Aaron is my friend I'm not gonna allow you to fucking do this to her and uh, immediately the match starts she's like oh the beef is garbage I, that gives me an advantage and then her fucking food is like whatever slap it off the table they're like Asahi wins so she looks like a big fucking idiot who just stands there doing nothing she doesn't have a single emotion outside of like I lost and that's it not like oh my god I'm so sorry I failed you Aaron or anything like that there's, there's fucking nothing like that but Asahi still doesn't come across as interesting and it's a shame because it'd be very easy to do so I, I, I at this point I'm not sure if the writer remembers what Asahi's character was because the core idea was he's Soma's brother. And then it was like, they're not actually brothers. He was somebody who was trained by a uh, Juichiro and saw Juichiro as a father figure, but Juichiro had to go back to his real son, Soma and Asahi hates Soma because of that. And that was like the core idea of the character. And that's actually a fine idea. Because you can make that into something compelling. You could actually do a lot of what's happening here in the same way. You could you could argue that Asahi hates Soma so much that he wants to take everything away. That's why I originally assumed he wanted Arena. Because there's really no like point to going after Arena. If not because he was like, I know that you like her. And I'm going to take her away from you. And I'm going to take your fucking your position and your knife and everything. I'm going to take everything away from you, Soma, because I fucking hate you. And I'm going to steal it away like you stole Jirichiro away from me. So that's why I assumed he's going after that. You set up the tournament the same way. You still have Jirichiro, or, uh, Asahi take on Megumi, take on Tsukasa. And they they you could even say Noir is, is doing some back alley booking, basically, to force these matches to happen. Sure. Because they're criminals it's what they do and we already can see the blue is susceptible to that kind of stuff they set that up and asahi goes after them not even because he wants their knives but he wants to crush them he wants to take soma's friends and obliterate sure. them crumble them make have soma him, have as beat angry Tsukasa. as possible yeah have him beat sukasa and then afterwards be like so so you're the one that soma struggled so hard to defeat you're yeah. absolutely nothing why did he even bother wanting to take your seat yeah like everything like that like oh this is the person you had such trouble with that sort of thing you could very easily do that in the same yeah. way have him, but have him, and then have him crush his best friend and yeah. make her feel like shit and then, and then and, no, he just beats her and just like, okay, on, on to my thing of marrying Arena. Yeah, like, it, was, it was a thing where you were just like, oh, we got to do this. When it's just like, no, that could be like a big moment. And like eventually you get to the, the final conflict of this arc where you're like, it's Asahi versus Soma. And like we're, we, we get this big finale that we're kind of waiting for because Soma has just been like kind of forced to stand on the sideline and watch as this guy is just systematically going after everything he cares about. And then... You know, they have their big matchup, but instead you, you kind of forget Soma's involved in all this because he hasn't really done anything or seemed particularly bothered by most of the stuff going on around yeah. him. His two best friends in the match have just been defeated in a row by Arina, who's freaking out and acting like even worse than her original character at the start of the series. 
and Megami has been beaten by this guy that he hates. And then what does Soma do at the end of this chapter? It's like, oh, I think I can beat you. It's like, do you even care about anything that's happening? Like, it's also just this. All your friends are being tormented by each other and this asshole. And he's like, I'm the best cook. Fuck you. Like, you just, you, you barely feel his presence in this arc. And then when you get down to it, you're like, I don't even really care about the airiness stuff. Like, I don't know why we had to step her backwards from, like, being friends with everybody and all the hard work it took to actually get her to open up and, like, start accepting that she liked people to be like, well, hold on, we got, we, we realized we didn't address Arita's mom, so we kind of had to make this a thing. Like, I don't, like, it just doesn't, nothing feels interesting now. Now you're actually, like... So what, is Asahi actually, like, going after Arena because he gives a fuck? I always assumed that it was just supposed to be, like, because he just wanted to fuck with Soma. But if it's not that, then who gives a fuck, man? Like, there's no real interest to that. I, there's nothing narratively to follow. And, and what you kind of realize is that this arc has become the World Cup arc from Ice Shield 21, <laughs> where, like, nothing is narratively following itself correctly here. And we're kind of just doing stuff because it's like, well, it's, this is everything together. So we got to make everything feel big. Everyone wants a 4.2 now. Everybody. Uh, and this arc feels a lot of the same way, which makes sense. Because one of the big problems with Ice Shield in that World Cup arc was you were like, well, everything was about the Christmas Bowl and they just did it. And the same conceit is kind of true here because Food Wars entire theme has been about individuality in cooking. And that was handled. You fought against Central whose entire thing was taking away individuality and uniform cooking being the standard process. And that was done. That was the big arc of Food Wars, essentially. The big central theme, the conflict, everything handled there. So where do you go from here? I don't know. There was stuff we didn't do yet. And that's that's all this arc has basically been, is like, well, we didn't get to Aaron and his mother yet. Uh, we, we, we need a, a Soma and, and Takumi to have another thing. Uh, we, we, you know, we, 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 I guess we need to handle like an evil chef organization or something like that. Just random stuff that just doesn't have much of an interest to it. And just after this point, it just feels fucking tiring. Like I, I reached the point where I'm like, just end it. Just end it. I don't even care anymore. Just get to the last fight. Let that wet fart of a finish just fucking waft out and just end it. I don't want to see anymore. I'm going to put down this right here. This is not the World Cup arc of Ice Shield 21. This is the Fullbringer arc of Bleach. Ooh. Man. I, I, I get the feeling that this is... That the reason we're rushing is not to reach the end, but to reach the next thing, honestly. If there's another thing after this, I'm going to be blown away. If, I don't if, know. Like, I don't, what do you do after this? I don't know. It just feels kind of awkward that they started things on the second year as opposed to the third year. Is my is the feeling that I get. I mean, is the series still doing that well? I don't actually know if it's it's, it's doing well enough. You know? If this is still going, if there's more after this, then holy shit, that's mind boggling. Well, let, me, let, me, let me look this up real quick because I think that a big thing that you have to keep in mind is that the anime is still getting new seasons. Yeah, so. I mean. Maybe the point of that's to get to central. I don't know. I I don't know enough about this stuff. In my mind, I assumed that this was like going to the end game. Yeah. Like this was meant to be a final arc for Food Wars, 
And that's why we got like, oh, we'll throw Sakasa in on this. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll put like, oh, Soma's evil brother in there and stuff like that. Yeah, there's a, there's going to be a fourth season uh, seemingly coming. So and this year. So like that's that's the bigger sign, I think, like how well the series is doing than anything else. So, All right. well, I'm going off the presumption. This is the end of it. Okay. So hopefully it is. Good luck with that. Chris. If there's more, huh? God help us all. Let's move on to Eden Zero. All right. Let's move on. Eden Zero, Chapter Thirty Five: The Girl and the Monster. Uh, so last time, Weiss is evil, Nick, or not Weiss? Uh, Hamora. Hamora. Sorry. We well, Weiss, Weiss is, is evil. evil. He's a dick. Weiss is, Weiss is an asshole. <laughs> yeah. uh, but Hamora was like. Tell me where Jammy is. And they're like, he's in the forest. So she goes to see <laughs> him. And uh, you're never going to use his real name. No, well, I'm not going to remember it. And I don't care. Uh, Jamie's like, I'm surprised you found me. And, and you can like, tell I'm evil because I'm eating this huge chunk of meat. Yeah, I have a big crooked nose and a scythe. Only evil people have those. Uh, and uh, more is like, you work with Drac and Joe. Well, let me join your ranks. I'll do anything. So uh, we cut back. Uh, Cheeky saved Hermit. And he's like, yep. that was close. And he shoots a bunch of gravity bullets. You're my friend now. Yeah, yeah that's all this is. You, I saved you. You're my friend. He shoots a bunch of like gravity blasts, kills a bunch of the monsters. Uh, and there's a brief conversation. Not even to try it. <laughs> I'm going to assume that's correct. Uh, she's like, hey, that's Ziggy's power. Like, yeah, he taught me. Uh, and he's like, yeah, so not all humans are bad. She's like, humans don't have hearts. He's like, what do you mean? Uh, you're friends with Grandpa, then you're friends with me. And he, I don't know, he disappears. You don't have a choice in this matter. You're my friend. Yeah, it's, it's all it is. Uh, so we go back to the fight, and uh, it's not looking very well because, uh, <laughs> Rebecca sucks, uh, and Weiss can't use his ether gear. <laughs> Is basically what we're getting down to. Why can't he use the ether gear? I guess because he. I don't know. I guess because nothing in the world is actually physical, like in the same. Why? Why was? Why doesn't he use his ether gear on her happy guns? You know, it's strange because at first I was like, "Well, there's no physical like technology to alter," but I was like. But Shiki's using gravity. <laughs> like, is it data gravity or actual gravity that he's manipulating? I don't know. So I don't know. For reasons, I suppose. Uh, and a big bird guy's like, kill them all. And we see a little girl fall. So she's going to get killed. Uh, but then the troll burger show burglar shows up. Troll burger is great, though. Uh, and he's like, <laughs> no, no one will break my friends. I will protect my town. And uh, the bird's like, hey, you're a fucking sub boss. You dare to find Lord Jamie? And he's like, you're a sub boss. <laughs> he's like, you don't even have a backstory. And he's like, come on, dude. Not cool. That's actually funny yeah <laughs> uh, so then cheeky shows up and kicks a bunch of people in the face he's like i'll beat everybody because i don't suck uh but then jamie shows up with some more people uh, and they start firing crossbows and one uh well actually a bunch hit the monster because he protects the town's people and uh, nick he's gonna die he had a little moment with a little girl a little girl gave him the nickname of uh of burgle but uh, he's going to die 
because he, he just got shot with a bunch of arrows. So yeah, yeah, that's always fatal in manga. Prepare your tissues now. Uh, but then another arrow is fired, and it looks like it's going to hit that little girl who's an NPC in this game, uh, and Shiki. Rolls off, rolls across and saves her. Though he takes. I'm going to protect you in the most inefficient manner possible. Yeah. It's like, I have gravity powers and I could t- save you in a billion different ways. Let me take the arrow to the shoulder instead. It's like I chose to dive at the worst possible angle to not like just push you out of the way and not also take the arrow at the same time. Like he had to like twist his way. Like in order to dive and like. Because she's been pushed over by the way that he grabs and tackles her. And it hits him in the shoulder that's on the ground. Like, at the very worst, it would have nicked her foot, Shiki. Yeah, like, he really, like, dove down to take He's like, I have to get hurt to show oh, no, the arrow's going to miss her. I'll push her the way. Ah, it hit me instead. <laughs> ah, damn it. Uh, and Hermit's, uh, We have to be friends now. <laughs> yeah, and then Hermit's like, he saved her. But that girl is just computer data. So again, Shiki is going to change this girl's heart without doing any introspection into himself or anything like that. He's just like, I save people. And I don't know. It's like a type of fucking You have to be my friend now. Yeah, it's a type of hero that's getting really old nowadays. But did you ever watch the cartoon Recess? I think I saw episodes of it, but I never okay. watched it with any there, kind of religious. So you, so you might be, you're familiar with some of the main characters. And yeah. Stuff. Okay. So there is an episode of that show. Black one, where, girl one, fat one, nerdy one, cool kid one. Close enough. Okay. Because so, <laughs> there's six main characters. So TJ, the ringleader of the group, uh, everyone likes him, basically. And there's an episode where there's just a guy who just doesn't like him. And so he it's like an assault on his ego that this guy does not like him. So he spends the entire episode trying to prove to this guy, you know, what a great person he is. You know, he's like, oh, look at all the cool stuff that we get up to. And look at all look at how friendly I am to everyone here. You want to hang out with me here? Have have some food and all this stuff. And at the end, the guy's still like, like hey, thanks for all this stuff. I still don't like you. And he's like, why? It's like, I'm, I, I just don't like you. I'm sorry. It's like, I don't have that's to. cheeky. It's uh, yeah. You have no obligation to be friends with anyone or like anyone. And cheeky can't get this through his head. He's like, you have to be my friend now, Hermit. <laughs> like, fuck off. I Leave can, her alone. I can understand the idea where he's like, I want to connect with this person, and I want to do all that, but he's not actually connecting with people no. he doesn't actually interact just with them. his regular self he doesn't do anything to get to know her he's not asking her questions or anything else like that he's just like you're friends with my granddad so you're friends with me I, and I, it, do i have a choice in this matter no he's like no but i'm gonna keep saying we're friends and doing things that only friends would do and you're like it's not how this should work but all right i guess you did a lot of things that impressed me so i guess we're friends uh, but then we didn't even seem like really worrying about this whole thing. Like, if there had been like one extra chapter in this arc where he was just like, I don't understand why Hermitage thinks that it doesn't like like humans, and they would get like a some sort of explanation from one of them, but we're not going to get that presumably until the end of the arc. We get the reveal, and then Hermit cries. We'll be like, We are friends because that's the way that hero do. Mm. So, Jamie's like, Shit. 
I know you said you're interested to do this, but I didn't think you'd kill your own ally. And then we get a almost a full-page spread of Hamura being evil. She's the one who shot the crossbow that almost killed that kid. So I Hamura mean, missed, is very I would have evil. missed her if you hadn't driven her towards the arrow. I hope. I so hope that's the narrative they actually that's go the with. Twist. When obviously she's not a bad guy. <laughs> I mean, I, I will give this to to this arc. We spent a hundred chapters of Bleach with Kubo trying to convince us that Ishida had joined the Quincy and turned against his friends. And he never actually hurt any of them. He launched a bunch of arrows when Tichigo deflected and he drove him away. He never actually hurt him with an arrow. And he's the guy who shoots arrows. That's not Humura's thing. Humura is sword chick and she hit the hero with more arrows than Ishida did in order to convince the bad guys that she was on their side. Man, I still super hope the next time like they finally meet and they're like, I can't believe you did this. She's like, I aimed for the fucking girl's feet, you idiot. It was going to land harmlessly in front of her. Why did you dive bomb into it? It's not out of the realm of possibility. No. <laughs> All right. So let's move on. <laughs> Amazingly, Eden Zero is definitely not the worst chapter this week. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Hell War and Higuma. I don't want to spend too much time on it because the more that I spend a lot of time on this series, the more that I realize it's probably going to get canceled very soon. This chapter, they very clearly rush towards like, here's our final villain of the series who wasn't supposed to be the final villain, but you know, he's important to Higuma so that, you know, there's going to be some sort of, you know, emotional impact to him being defeated. And also he belted Higuma's arm off. <laughs> like, well, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> <That> happened quickly. <laughs> And he's the one who killed his brother and his aunt. And <laughs> like, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it all happens very quickly. So I was like, okay, fine. I'm just going to try and emotionally detach myself from this series so I'm not too sad when it's over. That's that's all I'm going to do to touch on this. because I'm I, not going to learn from that lesson and get very invested in Neolation Process 13, the path of evil that's definitely not also getting canceled soon as well. <laughs> Uh, it's, I'm, not, I'm not as certain with me with Neolation, but I think that it is. And amazingly enough, fucking Chainsaw Man is getting a color cover page next week. So I guess it's doing fine. <laughs> Talks about boobs, Nick. That's what you need to do. Fuck. There's no justice in the world, Chris. <laughs> uh, all right. So Neolation Process 13, The Path of Evil. Um... They win. They win the race. Uh, Boogie lost, and he honors his end of the deal. And he's like, "No more betting on races. It's all over now." And the guy comes <laughs> I out. I love the way that this plays out. The guy from the crowd's like, "Yeah, Boogie lost, but I'll take over the bets now." And I'm and everyone's like, them. And everyone's like, and everyone's like, guy, new guy, <laughs> new guy, new guy." And Boogie's better like, than the old guy. <laughs> And Boogie goes up and offers his handshake like, I'm passing it along. It was like that moment when uh, Triple H was like, Seth Rollins can't handle it as my number one anymore. Come on out, Kevin Owens. And you're like moving from one new evil into the next. It all goes very well for all of them. 
Uh, no, immediately Boogie like breaks the guy's hand, and it was like, no, I said if I lost, no more betting would happen here, and that's what's fucking happening. So, no, you got to live up to your word, dude. Uh, and like basically breaks the guy's hand, and is like, anyone else want to keep betting on racing? No one says anything, so he's like, all right. Yay, no gambling! <laughs> Racing only for fun! New guy, new guy! <laughs> They're like, wait, same guy. Uh, and then he's like, well, I'm sorry everybody lost some fun. So here's money! And he throws a big bag of money into the air, and everyone just starts... And Okada dollars come raining down yeah. from on everyone. <laughs> Uh, and he just laughs about how greedy and predictable humans are. There's actually a moment, though, that I do like where Yuko got a dollar, and she's like, I wonder what I'll buy with this. And, and we, Neo's like, you should stop that while he's gathering up money, too. <laughs> uh, and then a joke I didn't quite understand. Uh, Boogie goes up and calls Neo music note head, and I'm like, does it really look I like a music note? Sort of, kind of. Maybe if you force the angle, the little, little the cowlick that he's got, the cowlick that he's got coming out of the back of his head sort of looks like a uh, uh, an eighth note. I guess. It's tough to tell. Anyway, he's like, "All right, I honor my promise. I'm telling you about the beast of Gavaldin." He explains, "Like, yeah, the Gavaldin was originally like a beast that was said to have killed a hundred people in you know 18th century France." But others say it's actually a human. It's a human, like a, a person who looks human, but inside is a beast, and they only live on feeding others. So he, you know, he explains the whole like. So we call any criminal that possesses such temini, uh, you know, tendencies beasts. Uh, it's a very specific thing. And then Neo's like, "Oh yeah, but I know about the geese, like the beasts of Val- Valden. Who are they?" He's like. I didn't say I'd give you that detail. No, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I can't tell you. <laughs> you, you should have been more specific with your genie wish, asshole. Okay, fine. Here, have some money. $200. Now tell me. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, that's the money I just dropped on everyone like it's nothing. <laughs> and then he walks over. He's like, Yuko, give me your money. And then Boogie's like, there's still money that you stuffed in your pocket, too. <laughs> it's actually a very good exchange here. Uh, he's like, all right. Um. How, you you answer my question and I'll tell you. But then we we kind of like cut away because we we go over to Brother Ta and he he starts talking to all the the other street racers and they're like, "What are you guys gonna do now?" And they're like, "You know what? I'm sorry, I just got very depressed, Nick. I got the raw update that Kurt Angle will face Baron Corbin in his farewell match at WrestleMania. Seriously, they went with that." <laughs> Literally, everyone online was like, these all sound like great candidates. Please don't let it be Baron Corbin. <laughs> That's what everyone was saying about it. <laughs> they went with the lamest possible option. I'm sorry. People who don't watch wrestling, they won't understand this at all. This one, that was horrendously. like People were like, John Cena or... Samoa Joe. Hell, or... Shelton Benjamin, even. I know Shelton doesn't have the name brand value, but no, there's something, and it would be a great match. There's history between those. Like, oh no, we have to have the two GMs go against each other. Fuck, Fuck off. Whew. All right, sorry. I, I love Barry Corbin, and no. <laughs> I had to get that out. Sorry. So he asked the other street races, like, what are you going to do now? And they're like, well, definitely we're going to keep racing. It was such a cool race. And he thinks, like, 
cool, huh? And he thinks back to himself when he was a racer, and he's like, you know. So was- what if I'm by? Yeah, so what if I'm bothering people? All that matters is that I'm enjoying myself. Thing. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a super big asshole. Uh, but then we go further into the backstory, and we see when Daigo's sister came to the monastery and basically explained the the priest they're like, yeah, well, I'm quitting high school to enter the workforce, and you know she's like, yeah, we and we got to pay off our debts, and you know my little brother's been giving me all the motivation, so if it's the two of us, I'll be able to stand on our own two feet. You know, that's my dream. And we see that Brother Todd was very inspired by this. And then Daigo came up and is like, Stop oogling my sister, you weird freak! And uh, he actually, like, stands up as like, I have to make up for my mom and dad and protect my family. And uh, then Brother Todd clearly sees us and is very impressed by how cool this guy is. You know, and, and how inspired he is by this sister who's giving up everything. So he thinks back to how greedy and selfish he's been. And he's like, All right. Uh, I'm quitting drag. I'm quitting street racing, and I'm encouraging all of you to do the same. Because when it comes right down to it, what you're doing is selfish and dangerous. You could hurt people. You could hurt yourself. You know, is this really what you want your future to be? And he, yeah. he finishes it by saying, "The only thing in store for the wicked is downfall." And then we get the part that makes you think that the series is being canceled because very quickly, Boogie's like. So who are you, Neo? You're so good at hacking. Where does all your hacking skills come from? And uh, that's what we're about to get. We're about to find out where all of Neo's hacking skills came from. Uh, presumably in a flashback we see with the little girl handing Neo a laptop. Baby Neo, basically. And a, a laptop. He's got like an Angry Bird plushy thing. So I hate her immediately. Mm-hmm. So. so I don't know if the series is going to be a long for it. Maybe this was intended to be the place where Neo's backstory comes about. We get yeah. that context, but it, it to me, like feels like something where they're like, eh, it's not doing right. And it's not been doing great in the rankings. Like, eh, it's not been doing great. Maybe you should get your, your stuff out, your big stuff out now while you have the chance. Right. I don't know. Um, I hope that it sticks around because after the first few chapters, it did really endear itself to me. And I think it was getting better and better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess we'll find out. Didn't bring up boobs enough. <laughs> there you go. Uh, as for this chapter, I like a lot of the stuff that we get in it. There are some funny moments. And I, I think that we do finally get a feeling for, you know, what makes Brother Ta who he is. Mm-hmm. The, the event in his life that made him into who he is today. I don't know if he's going to, you know, be like part of the main group going forward uh or you might you know make it just an occasional cameo or whatever but uh this this little arc that uh introduced him was uh was pretty cool yeah i'd expect that if this series is running you wouldn't put him in the main group but you very easily anytime the cast needs to get somewhere yeah, brother we, tom we driver, with great yeah. skill gets you yeah, yeah, that kind of thing yeah. i liked it i do like how they finally address like yeah, it's all legal straight racing to begin with. Like, like at first it was like the sanctity of illegal street racing. And at the end, it was like, you all have to stop. Guys, you really probably should do this anymore. Like, I kind of got the reason I left this was so that I could be cool because responsibility is cool. <laughs> Doing your homework on time. That's what real cool kids it just do. turns into Mr. T. <laughs> Boo, drink your milk. Call your mama. Uh, all right, let's move on to the last Sayuki chapter three, the tale of Sai and K. 
So we open this chapter on a flashback to like the last moments that Ryunosuke spent with his mother uh, before she passed. Or basically, she woke up from a coma in order to say one last word to her son, saying, sorry, I won't be able to see you hit any home runs. And then she passed, and Ryunosuke thinks to himself, mom didn't wish for death. It wasn't her fault. Yet in the end, she apologized to me, and I think that's why Kahara would suppress her own pain and apologize to me. It felt like a thorn in my side. So that's why, Kahara, you don't need to apologize anymore. Your big brother is going to hit a home run right now. And he lunges towards the monster that has appeared uh, before him and Koharu. Uh, and he's like, even though it's completely dark inside that's this room, I can actually see its movements. And he recalls the advice that his father gave him and how he had to use the staff in order to uh, defeat the thing. Basically saying, you just need to know that nothing is impossible. Your mole as established in the last chapter, needs to be open, and you have already fulfilled this condition. All you need to do now is shout with all your heart. And he basically unleashes his shikai, uh, yeah. and he calls out, Stretch, Nyoibo! And the staff stretches out as he swings it like a baseball bat, and holy shit! <laughs> blood and eyeballs go everywhere! <laughs> Um, it's a cool shot. Yeah, he kills the fuck out of that thing. And uh, he's like, did you see that? I feel like I I really hurt my voice laughing at that Baron Corbin (laughs) thing. Like, I'm fucking (laughs) feeling it right now. Oh, it's worth it, but fuck. (laughs) Ryunosuke says to himself, did you see that, Mom? I hit a home run. (coughs) And uh, he turns to Koharu. She starts to speak to him again. And it seems like she's going to say sorry, but then she stops. And instead, she smiles and says, thank you. And uh, Ryunosuke carries her out of the uh, shack, and uh, he said, he narrates that, you know, the day has passed, and the long, long night was over. We had become a family. Aw, it's sweet. Uh, Ryunosuke needs to get his own staff, so uh, his dad cuts the staff up and gives him part of it. He's like, here, here's your noible. And Ryunosuke's like, what? That, that That's all you need to do to do it? Yeah, that's exactly how I got mine, so. It has to do with folk, with a folktale, okay? I've never read The Journey to the West, so I feel like that might be helpful to understand this. There are certain uh, parallels between this and Dragon Ball that I you know, know of because they both come from the same story. Mm. Journey to the West is a very fucking influential story, okay? Yeah. Uh, I probably need to know more about it so that I can appreciate not just the stuff that this series does, but like other series that are going to inevitably uh, reference it. Anyhow, so we get some more uh, backstory, uh, well, lore, I guess you could say instead, Um, because they're like, wait a minute, our temple has a a statue of priest Sanzo, and this is the Nyoibo, so does that mean we're descendants of Son Goku? His father's like, no, <laughs> no. I really, like, I, I, I like do like the fucking the like the chef's kiss every time one of these things happened, where it's like, are we descended from legendary? No, you're nobody special. Our family is nobody special. Doesn't have to be that every goddamn story. No. Uh, but he nothing, does reference nothing that. makes me happier than people who bitch about the last Jedi because they're like, Ray's parents weren't anyone special. It's like, good, fuck you. <laughs> 
It's exactly how it should have been. So isn't that great? Knowing that all the great people in the world come from one fucking family. No wonder you voted for Trump, you asshole. <laughs> so, um, we do ever get get this uh, explanation that uh, the priest Genjo Sanzo set out on a journey with his disciples to exterminate monsters with his nyoibo. Uh, anyone who has their mo open can use it. Anyone in that era who was being tormented by monsters could use it to get rid of the monsters as long as they knew how to use it. The mission of the Sayuki journey was to show the powers of the Nyoibo and share pieces of it with the people. It was cut and given to people who handed it down the generations, and one of those pieces is now in your hands. So that's why that's all it takes in order to give him this this thing is because, you know, the staff just can perpetually grow as long as it needs to. So here you go. <laughs> like, <laughs> um. Ryunosuke eventually asked the question, like, wait a minute, you said that the world was overrun by monsters, so does does that mean, and his father says, yes, there was someone who had the same ability as Koharu during that era, and they used that power with evil intent. We who have inherited the Nyoibo call the one who almost destroyed the world, K, the demon king of chaos. But like <laughs> you said, Koharu is a kind girl, and unless something drastic happened, she would rather die before using this power to some more monsters. Uh, and he explains, like, look, this was, you know, a backup plan in case the ones who are after her ability abduct her, the followers of chaos. Because back then, the Demon King had many devoted minions. They had a number of reasons for it, but their goal was to fill the world with monsters. The followers have scattered all around the world. They are the Akatsuki. They're the evil organization that you're going to have to fight in this series. Yurinosuke uh, asks, like, so these followers of K, do they have Kohara's ability? And his father says, no, she's special. She's the only one who can open a mo with just a word. But if you take your time and follow a special procedure, even a human without special powers can open up someone else's mo. The followers of Kea still exist even now. If they ever find out about Koharu, then they'll use any means necessary to get her and use her powers. And we cut over to a classroom. And there is a little light-haired kid there. And he's like, farewell. And a monster, and a monster appears and kills all the people inside of it. Yay! It's actually horrifying looking. <laughs> the, most, the scariest part of it is that its eyes look in different directions. It's got like, no death perception, Chris. I mean, I'm more terrified at the like hand that's just like a giant sphincter that eats people, <laughs> basically. No, no. But yeah, no, the cross eyes part is pretty. Yeah, the I, cross eyes look in different directions. Way scarier. <laughs> cross eye part's pretty terrifying too. <laughs> the the death sphincters. One of the people that are flanking this person who's wearing a weird mask. There's there are two people who are wearing masks. One of them looks like a plague doctor mask. The other one looks kind of dumb honestly um and the one with the flatter mask says like well, is it really like all right not to leave any survivors sigh and sigh says well i told you the mo enlightenment was to test out our strength and i'm happy with the results because of your ability we're able to get a number of people's fears to combine into one entity but i hate that in order to open up someone else's mo i have to take so much time gaslighting them it's not enough it's as if i'm just a regular human so this is seemingly our first and possibly most important villain who is looking to abduct Koharu and use her powers in order to plunge the world into chaos. Mm. Also, they killed the monster afterwards. Or I think he did it single-handedly. Yeah, so, it looks uh, like he does it. <clears throat> so, very interesting. 
Uh, I'm digging it. Uh, I do- I like all the stuff with um, Kohaku. Kohaku? No. Koharu. Koharu. <clears throat> with Koharu at the front. Um, I like these these moments and, and getting closer with his sister uh, and everything kind of like that. I, I'm not feeling the end, though. I, I don't know. I I feel like I've just seen, like, little kid with white hair who's, like, an otherworldly holy figure evil. Like, I've just seen it too often. It just doesn't do anything for me right now. Um, Maybe I'll see how this feels in a couple chapters and how things go, but I'm... This was like the moment where I was like, I don't know if this may be a series I'm not actually going to be able to dig the whole way through. Mm. Um, just based off how quickly we could have jumped into this being like the big deal. So who knows? Well, I'm sure that we'll see how, how it goes. We've kind of, It's kind of like been a little bit all over the place so far. The first chapter was really good. The second one was like, eh, it's all right, but I'm going to you know need to see a bit more. This chapter, I think that it was more a step in the right direction. But it is also an indication that this series might be a little bit more mainstream than it first appeared. It seems like it's going to be much more standard uh, mm-hmm. kind of affair with probably going to be much more of just a bat, a straight up battle series than an ex- existential horror kind of one. Um, but even if we just get like, you know, a battle series that's just got those horror elements in it to kind of separate it from the pack, I think that that could still be good. Now, what say you, Nick? Are we continuing it on Weekly Manga Recap? Hell Yeah. All right, I'll give it a, I'll give it an okay. So it's it's gonna keep going, and thus far the only I'm one that sure that this series is... Chainsaw Man, which is thus far the only series that still looks to still be running. Yeah, oh man, if the last Sayuki fucking plummets in the rankings too and disappears, and then Yui Kamio gets picked up, <laughs> they're like, get in an anime now. What are we waiting for? God. I don't even know if I've got anything to say about Yui Kamiyo Let's Loose this week. Um, I, I Well, there is one detail I want to comment on, because at the start of this chapter, chapter two, which Yui do you prefer? Neither. Uh, Nick, come on. Everybody's got a preference. You Do you like the innocent, uh, pure beauty or uh, the murder hound hell person <laughs> who punches I mean, holes in stuffed animals somehow? Just just those two to choose from? Hmm. Yeah, Nick. Um, it, it's like a real Betty or Veronica. Which which one is <laughs> your type? <laughs> you, Archie, which are you gonna choose? The completely pure, kind of boring girl who will do who will just wear you hand and foot, never has anything bad to say about you, and honestly is really too pure for this world to ever actually have an interesting relationship with. Or the one that will rip your spine out of your assholes. Nick, scientists have said that all women can categorically be separated into two, two sections, two, two different options. Uh, pure innocent wonders and uh, fucking gangster murder people. <laughs> we see both sides of that side in this chapter. We, we see both sides of that in this chapter again. Um, you know, so our hero... Who is not Yui? <laughs> uh, it's the dude, Kito. of course. It's the dude. <laughs> Just waiting for you know, like the third personality of Yui to show up, so that we can like have a proper harem series going with this guy. Um, so we see him interact with both sides of Yui in this chapter. I don't. I barely. All I remember is that like sh- Black Yui. Um, makes it look like they're making out when in actuality she's like threatening him with 
I don't even know what that is. Is I it like a tattoo needle or something? I can't tell if it's meant to be like um like when like one of those edgy knives that you would use to like slice paper or something like that or if it's just like a pen. Right. She's holding it to his throat, though. It'll hurt if she stabs him. So they're just like, oh, did you guys see? No. Okay. Well, there's a guy who's got a girl against him. Okay. I guess we'll leave him alone. (laughs) They literally go up and they're like, she like she grabs him and she's like, cover for me. Okay. And then a guy shows up. He's like, hey, lover boy, you see a girl in a black sailor uniform? He says nothing and they leave. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, wait, was he just like, he must be too busy getting it on to answer. Appreciate it, man. Bro, respect. And then runs away. I could check. I could, you know, tilt my head slightly to see if that girl's wearing a black sailor uniform or I, not. I, no, I, I respect your privacy. I can kind of tell from here. In fact, just from the angle I'm at, I very easily should be able to tell that that girl definitely has a black sailor uniform and long black hair, exactly like the girl with chasing. But bro, respect bros, man. You do your game. In fact, from this angle, I can see her skirt poking out between your legs. But you know what? I bet the rest of her uniform is not black. <laughs> With what I would do believe, 100% certainty, that is the girl we're looking for. But on the off chance, bros before hoes, you do your game, my man. <laughs> and then, anyway, we find out later. So, we had seen at the start of this chapter, her friend now... Uh, wrapping her hair up with the chain as she was waking up. Uh-huh. And the question that immediately came to mind was, does she, does sleep, she sleep in the same room as Dewey? <laughs> <laughs> and if so, why? She not only she later s- explains when she shows up and we get the explanation of why Black Yui showed up instead of White Yui, because she, ad- she approaches Kito uh, and is like, oh, you're the girl who's always with Yui Kamiya. And she's like, I have a favor to ask. You see, as Yui's best friend, I am entrusted with the duty of getting up at six every morning to do her hair. I have not failed even once in five years. Today, too, I succeed in sending her off safe and sound. Okay. Why? Not only does she also, get up Were you early. in the house to begin with? Or do you just have a key and get let in or get let in by her parents every day? Like... Like, Why? She she not only is there to do it, she's already dressed and presumably like showered and sh- like she's in her school uniform. She's ready for the fucking day by the time she does this. It's very impressive. I understand the impractical of, of like you can't expect a girl to sleep with her hair tied up in a chain and something to go wrong. Uh, so it makes sense to like make sure that it goes on when she wakes up in the day. Sure. But... Why doesn't anyone else do this other than someone who doesn't live with her? <laughs> I presume at some point we're supposed to find out that she doesn't have parents or I don't know. Maybe she punched them to death one day when she was black UE or something like that. I don't know. Also, but... also the way that now talks about uh, white Yui, uh, you know, and how beautiful she is and how she was literally so distracted by her beauty that she was lost in gratitude for the gift of life. I don't know, Chris. I think we might need to do a pizza bet on this one. Like, 
Well, we're about no to get bet. we're about to get to that in a second, Dick. Just you no wait. bet. <laughs> <laughs> the way that it came out is kind of ridiculous. Oh yeah, it, like it's one of my this is of- chapter two. You need to hold on to these ridiculous means that the chain comes out of her hair, guys. It, it's, like it's maybe one of my favorite moments from Boardwalk Empire is like Nucky. Uh, the main character has a bodyguard who's like this German or older German guy. And he's, I think it's because he was shot the previous season and he's kind of like recovered from it and taking medicine. So he's a bit loopy. So one guy's like, and that he's like, uh, what, yeah. Like, why don't you tell him something about me? And the fucking Butler turns around and he's like, Nucky is the dreams of children everywhere. He is the one and the soon and the stars, and he is the love of everyone everywhere. And Nucky's like, what the fuck? <laughs> and it's exactly like that, where you're like, this was a bit too far to take this immediately. Like, I was just so enamored with how beautiful she was, and I was reminded that life is beautiful, too. <laughs> I was referring to the way that her chain comes out, oh. which is... A guy on a bike rides by, and the chain gets caught up in his bike and snaps cleanly out of her hair. I mean, that's what happened basically last week as well. It was like a dude was walking by with one of like those kendo stick things, like kind of wrapped up in like a, a fucking blanket, and accidentally took it off that way. So I presume that's just the issue. Is like anything in the world that brushes across this chain will fucking yank it out. What ends up happening is that they track down Yui, who is being chased by a bunch of goons who want revenge. She kind of just, like, accidentally back loses her balance while she's trying to escape onto a balcony to get away from them. She falls. Kito leaps out the window and catches her and lands safely. Uh, and when they land, now immediately wraps Yui's hair up so that it turns her into the, the Yui in white. And she's immediately like, why am I on top of this boy? <sighs> and that's the end of the chapter. Well, I'm trying to remember. Wasn't last time he was like, shit, black, like, black Yui's really hot. And then it's like this chapter. He's like, white Yui's really hot. I don't he's fucking like, care. I presume he's in like this weird thing where he's kind of like, I Which like do you choose? Yeah, again, Nick, all women <laughs> broken into two categories. All right. Let's talk, what? Nick, about We, we Never, never learn. learn. Question 103. A.K.A. people who support Chris in the pizza bed never learn. (laughs) Said association sometimes causes her to lose a pizza bed. Uh, So uh, (laughs) that's what that's what X is, right? Yeah, that's it's uh, it's always a pizza. All for X. Give me a pizza. (laughs) (laughs) I want pizza. Uh, Seki Joe is like, aha! Thanks for joining me. Uh, I guess Uega's here too. And she's like, I have something new to show us. It's a super adhesive that holds for 15 hours. And she's like, yeah, you know, uh, just going to show it off. You know, the chemistry club's going to have a booth at the school festival. So, you know, guys, she's uh, got a she's got like a branded and everything. She's got it all packaged. And yeah, I don't I don't with with dynamic lettering. I'm I'm very curious where she got the advertising and like all the all the extra details. Like it wasn't just in like an old toothpaste tube. But she was like, don't use this on your teeth or you'll die. (laughs) I do love that. They're like, what is this? And she's like a super adhesive that holds for 15 hours. They just like stare at her. The super adhesive that holds for 15 hours. <laughs> They're like, well, why do we care? Uh, and I do like, she's like, well, you two are my only friends, so I have to show oh, it off to you. And they're like, so sad. and they're both like, yeah, 
Super cool, Sinka Joe. You did it. It's so Sport. cool. You're so awesome. So she's Sport, like, socially awkward girl. <laughs> so she's like, allow me to demonstrate. Oh no, I got some on my hand. And uh, Yuega's like, I'll help. And their two hands get stuck together and they can't pull them apart. And Ogata's trying, and Yurega's like, Stop! Your chest is crushing my arm! <laughs> so, they're like, well, I guess we're stuck together, and it's gonna take about 15 hours for this to wear off. And Sekichu has a little moment where she has like a little nosebleed because Ogata's technically holding her hand in that moment. And she's like, oh, oh, it's nothing! I'm not titillated at all, you see! And then she spills, um some kind of liquid on her some generic liquid on her apparently it's a pun in japanese and i don't think translates here no it um, doesn't but i i it's apparently not a dangerous liquid it's just quote slimy she <laughs> so, got slimed she, yeah. she, she attended the kids choice awards she's fine yeah so they're gonna go to the shower so that she can go shower off her hair and uh, the amazing callback <laughs> exactly <laughs> this part i put up the clothes for cleaning sign properly <laughs> i'm very good at this now uh so while the showering is going on ogata's like so have you figured out what you're going to do about this like wh- what you're going to do after everything and he's like well it's gonna be hard to explain it to my family uh and second is like you should come to my house. My family's uh, very hands-off, and they both work, so they're never around, so you can totally stay at night. And you wake up first, like, I don't know. And then he turns and sees that all of her clothes have kind of gathered up on his wrist because Seki Joe, to wash her hair, got butt-fucking-naked. <laughs> it's actually incredibly impressive that she managed to do this mm-hmm. because... How do you like? She had to get it off of her arm in order to do this. Well, I think that's I understand how it why, gets like, there. her bra and her shirt and jacket and sweater are all gathered there. But I think that she piled all of her other clothes on there too. <laughs> like, I think there's a sock on there. <laughs> yeah, she's just throwing everything on there, and uh, they're just like, "Why are you doing this?" She's like, I "Can't have a fucking shower with my clothes on." Look at what? Yes. Also, don't look. Also, don't look, you Yeah, stop looking, asshole. And uh, he's trying to, you know, he doesn't have the ability to cover both of his eyes. So yes, he does. Well, one hand, hand can cover both eyes. No, Nick, it's silent. Holy shit! <laughs> uh, now, uh, so Ogata leaps up and is like, "Stop looking!" And uh, she's trying to block his eyes, but uh, her chest is kind of up against his back. Oh, she's breathing and on she's his neck, and so. It's very wacky. Anyway, they go to Sekijo's house, and uh, <laughs> everything in her house is kind of, like, covered up. And she's like, this is really great. And uh, he's like, so, um, before I let you in, um, I gotta let you know something. My house may be a little bit weird, Yueg. I need you to help me out with this. And they go into her house, and her wall is covered everything in her house is a fucking ogata thing the pictures are ogata the stuffed animals are ogata there's a loaf rizu fucking banner nick that's a pizza bed if i've ever seen one right there just hanging on the wall okay we need to understand guys is that there are a couple of qualifications for this to qualify as a romantic interest we know that she's obsessed with ogata we have gotten that in fucking spades. Mm-hmm. I will not deny that. But Soifon had a shrine to Yoroichi in an extra for Bleach. It was never confirmed that she loved her. 
Sorry, guys. Need more. I need her to fucking say it or someone else in the series to say it or for there to be a very clear indication that it is not like, oh, she's got titillated by Ogata. I need more than just a joke about how obsessed she is with Ogata. Like, so I'm not going to deny it's like, yes, if you if you separate out, there's like we've got requirement A, requirement B. We've got nothing in requirement B and we've got requirement A in 2000 percent capacity. <laughs> There's plenty of that. I need one iota of the other thing. Yeah. Okay. You're looking also, at that suggests it's not a joke. Also, I love the exact remark that Sekijo makes, which is, do you think she'll be a bit surprised by my decor? He's like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> this is pretty terrifying. She might get just a bit of a restraining order against you. So they hit everything in the house before Ogata came by. And she's like, do you think everything's going to be a little bit suspicious? And like, <laughs> nah, don't worry about it. stuff they threw under a blanket. <laughs> like, there's no paintings on the wall or anything like that. All the picture frames are knocked over and shit. I, you can just barely see behind Ogata the, you know, dust pattern around the frame that was taken down. <laughs> yeah. So, Ogata, uh, is having a little bit of trouble. Uh, and he's like, yeah, Sekijo kind of knows because he's 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 right-handed and his right hand is the one that's stuck. She's like, "Hey, I'll I'll help write these for you," and then she sees the notebooks and she's like, "Oh, this one's for Aruka, this one's for Fumino." And she's like, "Do you write these every day?" He's like, "Yeah, you know, I I do it. It was hard at first, but they're they're all getting so better, and now it's pretty fun." And she she has a moment where she's like, "And oh, jeez, I see that how kind and supportive you are." And she's even thinking like, "Wow, he's kind of cool." Uh, and then she's like, what am I doing? He's Ogata's crush. Oh, Ogata, I never meant. She's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, she's already created the scenario as though she said it and brought it over to her. Uh, and then as that's happening, some of the blanket starts to fall down. She's like, hey, what's that? And she distracts Ogata by being like, a UFO! And Ogata's like, no, Uega says that. You, yeah, let's yeah, give yeah. him the credit for that. That's true. Uega says, oh, where are you? And immediately Ogata's like, where? Where? <laughs> Show me! Uh, then they, they stay the night. And because- <laughs> just like, oh man, I'm so stressed. I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the two of them are next to each other because they have to. Their hands are still stuck. Uh, and they're trying to go to sleep, but all three of them are sleeping, like, in the same room. And he's like, yeah, you know, I'm glad Ogatis came along, you know. It would be totally normal if she'd said no, but she seems super nice about it. She's such a kind person. And then he notices that Ogatis kind of, like, rolled over on top of him. He's like, oh, right, Ogata kind of does this in her sleep. She just kind of rolls over and is kind of grabby. Uh, and then she specifically grabs his hand. And uh, he's like, oh, man, how do I fucking sleep like this? Uh, next morning comes around. Sekijo, super positive. She's like, that went great. And uh, she's like, bye. <laughs> kind of like kicks them out. And he's just like, ah, fuck it, whatever. It's the weekend. I'll, I'll catch up on sleep later. Uh, and Uega starts to say something about last night. And he's like, yeah, never mind, actually. I'll catch you later. What am I doing? And uh, we see Ogata apologizing to herself because she knew exactly what she was doing that night. She was jealous mm-hmm. because Uega got to hold Sekijo's hand all night. She wanted to hold his hand. So, a little sweet little moment there at the end. Yeah. Holy shit, it's 940. We got we got, we got to pick things shit. up a bit. Uh, so, yeah. Um, seems that Ogata is getting a bit more of a, of an understanding of how she feels about Yuiga. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. 
<clears throat> let's go through Dr. Stone. Uh, this chapter, we get the important development that they just make paved roads in this chapter. It's it's very much just kind of like over and done with. Uh, the chapter is about Ryusui, which is why the chapter title is Z equals 98. Ryusui with this fucking Conan the Barbarian cover page with uh, Ryusui holding a sword up while lightning comes down and uh, Francois looking more androgynous than ever. Yeah, I do appreciate because I I was worried when I saw the initial image for this that this was like a chapter that was going to like give us a cheesecake shot of Francois to actually confirm like, yeah, Francois is a hot chick or something like that. But we're actually still keeping that up and I'm super happy about that. Uh, me too. Well, we get the flashback to Ryusui's uh, upbringing and because uh, basically the issue is that even Kaseki is struggling to build this massive uh, vessel for them. He's like, I, I can't get this to align. Parts aren't reaching. They're sticking out. The whole hull is starting to warp. I try to adjust it. But when I fix one spot, another falls out of place. I'm sorry. And they're like, yeah, no, no. And, and Ukiyo is like, it's not your fault. Kaseki's like, oh, you're being too easy on me. And Ukiyo's like, no, no, no. Shipbuilding on this scale in modern times involved a lot of a lot of people and a lot of advanced specialized techniques. And Yo is just like, maybe you could just revive a ship, right? It's like, you, you fucking idiot. <laughs> like one piece. It's not that easy. Uh, and they're like, yeah, I mean, because Senka brings up like, well, we could keep on doing this through trial and error, but they all agree that with Wyman's reveal that time is of the essence. They don't have a lot of time to be doing this. So Senku says, okay, we'll have to, you know, make a smaller sailboat with a limited crew, which bums a lot of people out because they're like, so that means, you know, a lot of the kingdom is going to have to get left behind as a result of that. But Ryusui in particular is like, give up on my desire, on my beautiful full-scale sailing ship. We get a flashback to uh, when his father was scolding him. I was like, I've run out of patience with all your whims and desires. You must learn when it's time to give up on things. And uh, we see young uh, Ryusui talking with young Francois and Francois saying like, I'm sorry, Master Ryusui. I'm afraid your allowance this month is a mere 1 million yen. <laughs> but, and they're like, how the hell old is Francois? <laughs> it's this kid. But uh, Ryusui is like, give up. I don't know the meaning of those words. Until I get my hands on what I want, I'm going to keep going at it. What's wrong with that? And he's like, so with the capital, I'll just invest. And basically, he didn't give up on doing any of the stuff that he wanted to. He just worked in order to get what he wanted. Uh, we see like uh, you know him uh, getting all this stuff, uh, winning these you know uh, grand prix. Uh, invest, making investments and using the influence of the Nami Corporation so that the investments paid off. And uh, then they go into like a VR center with some friends. He goes into a VR center with some friends. They're like, nah, you gotta be at least 13 to try this. So instead he starts his own fucking stock car racing team. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> fucking Kaiba. And we see that he's like doing like a Formula One race at the same time that Senku and Taiju and Yuzuriho were going to do their rocket experiment, which is a nice little detail. Mm. Um, and there, uh, we see like a meeting among some Nanami Corporation investors. Uh, they're like, oh, I can't believe this. Who does he think he is engaging all this debauchery? What do you think of Ryusui, Francois? He's like, and Francois is like, I, it's not my place to say. No, no, no. We want to hear you. 
few voice me to speak my mind. I think that there is nothing debaucherous about him. When it comes to desire, it is all too simple to convince oneself that a want is hardly a need. It's far easier to give up before getting hurt. But Master Yusui does not deceive himself in this way. He proclaims his desires loudly and perseveres. Debauchery is the last word I would use to describe such fortitude because, de because desire is noble. And we see that in particular, the thing that Francois saw uh, Ryusui working on at one point was this model ship. And uh, Francois asked him, I was like, why are you spending all this time on this scale model? And Reese was like, I prefer something with a touch of traditional beauty over all these things that are filled with modern tech. And there's no end goal when it comes to my desires. Remember, I'm the greediest man in the world. And uh, he makes in the past a 148th scale motorized sailing vessel. And he's like, someday I'll find someone to help me make the real thing. So this is, you know, it, it's a nice gesture of like this was something that he specifically wanted a few chapters ago when they were going to build this. And it turns out, like, oh, he's been working on this for a long time. Uh, and so he's going to continue working on it. And uh, with Senku's help, he's going to create this full-scale thing. He says that he's going to make a model of the vessel, and then they'll make a full-scale replica of it. So there you go. That's the solution to their problem. I really like this chapter. Um, I, we've kind of gotten this impression of what Ryusui's character is all about over the last several uh, months as we've gotten to know him more and more. But even so, I like this because I I like the way that it also specifically develops the relationship between Francois and Ryusui. And this, you can really see this sense of admiration and love that Francois has uh, for Ryusui. It's not just like, oh, they're my dedicated servant. There's this clear, like, this is why I follow this man. Yeah. Uh, and I like seeing that. Honestly, I'm going to say this, just say this, like, if it turns out that Francois is like actually in love with Ryusui, I would love it if we got that like relationship explored while still never revealing what Francois's gender is. <laughs> <clears throat> no, it's super good. I like Ryusui a lot, and uh, I, I'm excited to see where this goes. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Seven Deadly Sins, Chapter Three Hundred Three. We're all here for you, and they all are. All the all the Seven Deadly Sins outside of Bond, who's who's still fighting. Uh, and punching have, stuff. Yeah. Have shown up inside of Melodius's like consciousness to kind of cheer him on and to help him out. And there's even a little moment when Gauther kind of says something to the demon demon lord. And then uh, King's like, hey, what's the matter? And Gauther kind of gives like a quiet, you know, kind of sign because he doesn't want to break the boot between Elizabeth and Melodius getting to reunite and have a little moment there. Uh, it's a very sweet moment. And of course, the demon lord's like, fuck this. And he tries to kill them. <laughs> Uh, but Belodius reflects the attack back, and this time it actually seems to really hurt the Demon King. And he's like, where did you get this strength? And Belodius is like, my friends are going to give it to me. And, you know, they reinvigorated me, and you don't stand a chance now. Uh, and we see the outside, the Demon Lord kind of controlling Belodius's body is like, well, I'll just kill them. I'll just kill the real body. So he's making a big effort to try to kill them. He summons this thing called the Grieving Sage, which is basically like a giant death mask super cannon. Uh, Bond tries to stop it. Doesn't really work. He, he can't do that and fight the physical body at the same time. Uh, yeah. We see Ludashell block the first attack that the, the blast hit. And, and protect everybody, but he's not going to be able to do it for much longer. He's he's kind of on his last legs. Bond's trying to fight back, but he can't. But we see another figure basically 
go into the blast and survive. And everyone's like, who is that? Who could have possibly taken that level of power and survived? And the figure launches up into the air, drives a black sword through the grieving sage's face. And we see that the attack was from Zeldris, who is, uh, it looks like turning on the demon Lord. Mm -hmm. That's a chapter. I mean, it Demon Lord had to see this coming, right? Yeah, I, I, he's like, <laughs> one of my sons already betrayed me. Maybe the other one won't after I laughed at him and told him an idiot. <laughs> so, very cool moment. Yeah. I like. I really like the uh, beginning of the chapter. The rest of it is like, eh, action. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the part that I really like is the, you know, Meli- Meliodas and Elizabeth being reunited briefly and Gather being like, Hey, everyone shut up. You don't know the first thing about love. But me, I know about love. Yeah, oh, yeah, I know about love. Did you, did you guys hear the story of how I got laid one time? <laughs> <laughs> it's actually very sad. <laughs> All right, let's go on to the, to the Promised Neverland. Chapter 127, Confrontation. It's a very important chapter uh, because we get introduced to Mujiga's true nature. We see there's a flashback to a bunch of these demons in suffering from, star- you know, starving, degenerating, and then they're approached by Mujika and some followers, and Mujika offers out to them saying everything's going to be okay. In the present, uh, Norman, of course, has just referred to Mujika as the evil-blooded girl still being alive, and he says that he's only ever heard about her previously, a demon who has never eaten a human, but is an extremely special individual that can maintain the form and intelligence of humans without eating them. Very little is known about her beyond that, but she was uh, first heard of 700 years before. She was a savior that appeared in a starving town and was able to give her power to others with just her blood. She didn't have to give up any of her flesh, just, you know, like a cup of her blood would be enough to gift this ability to them so that they would have the same body composition as her and they would not degenerate. And in doing so, they obtained the ability to increase the same kind of demons with their own blood. So... They could just, you know, spread this like a, you know, beneficial virus among people as a result of that. The communities in that area shared their shared her powers and were able to escape famine and extinction in time. Those stories reached the king and the aristocrats and they investigated if their powers are real. We can do something about the citizens famine. It may even be useful for the farms in the future. The royal family and the five regent houses captured all the affected demons and killed and ate everyone who had that blood. Yay! And I was like. Why would they do that? And Norman says that they feared her power. And Ray, like, kind of immediately gets it. Like, oh. Ray's like, because... I understand how this world works. The greedy, <laughs> the rich just take over advantage of the weak. That's why. That's the 1%. <laughs> that's why when I'm Lord God, I'll be a fair and just ruler for everybody. Get because out of here, you're, Norman. You're, you're all equally beneath me. Without baby memories. <laughs> Ray sees so. no race, no class, no sexuality or creed. Ray just he only simply... sees Ray and not Ray. Exactly. <laughs> oh man! So, so while Ray's doing that, <laughs> said he um, actually figures out everything. Right, right, right. Uh, he's like, okay, so this means that Sanju isn't originally a demon that doesn't have to eat humans. He's a survivor who escaped gener- degeneration thanks to Mujika's blood. The royal family and the five aristocratic houses are all exceptions like Mujika and Sanju. And everyone's like, yes. And that's also why Gilan is willing to help us out. Because then if he kills the royal family and eats them, he will gain this 
immortality, so to speak. He won't degenerate. That's why he wants to eat them. Uh, and he's like, so, you know, yeah, the royal family and the region houses are exceptions. This is not going to affect our strategy whatsoever. Uh, there aren't that many in the royal family. Uh, I, I'll take care of them. Not taking away their food supply, waiting for the generate. But, you know, don't worry about it. The, the plan won't fail. Anyway, the bigger danger we have to worry about them is like, no, no, no. Listen, look, what? hold on. Why? Why did all this happen? Why did they kill Mujika and eat, and eat her when they could have, you know, saved their entire race? If they used it, then they wouldn't even need to eat humans. And Ray is just like, people are assholes, Emma. Have you, you've lived with me for, what, 15 years? How have you not figured this out yet? <laughs> We're dickheads, Emma. You're the only good one. And he just says, like, look, the king and the aristocrats are able to control all the other demons because they can control the food supply. They use this to maintain control over their own race. That's why they have captured and killed and kept the power for themselves. That's it. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah. Um, and Bray's like, yeah, so this is it's been more convenient to have a society where they can manage regular human meat than just give them this ability. And everyone's like, yeah. I mean, come on, Emma. Everyone acts at their own self-interest. That's not how every single person is, but it's how the world works. Not everyone thinks in a kind, selfless way like you. The ones that we have to be cautious about are Sanju and Mujika, because under the watchful eyes of the king of the aristocrats, they probably aren't going anywhere near the demon towns, but they have the power to return to generate demons back to human forms. What would they do if they found out about our rebellion? It'd be troublesome. There's an uncertain, they're an uncertain, dangerous element for the safety of us children. And Emma's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, we got to find and kill them. And Emma objects to this immediately saying, they're my friends. I don't want to kill them. And no one's like, they're demons too. They look, they're not going to just sit by and watch us exterminate their race. They're not going to forgive that. And I was like, then let's not annihilate the demons. I don't want to do this. She finally puts, puts that out there. And she's like, this is the thing that I came to talk to you about. Look, there's this alternative possibility now with Mujika's blood. We don't, even if we don't look for her, we could use the king or the aristocrat's blood. We could turn all those demons into having to not eat humans. Then we wouldn't have to fight. There wouldn't be any conflict. We could, we would just have to, you know, strip the royals of their power, and that would be it. And Norman objects to this by saying that even if there's no need, if they want to eat us, they'll do it. They've been doing it for 700 years. Gielan's been doing it for 700 years, and humans are no different either. Look, we, they would not be able to change this. And he's like, they just look at us as food and they'll they'll do it. Emma says, okay, well, we'll make we'll find the seven walls and we'll make a new promise and we'll do the after doing this to the demons so that they won't die out. And Norman's like, well, no, because even though we don't know that the human world is saved, you think that they're just going to accept us? Like, life is not so easy that you can have everything you want. If we don't annihilate the demons, there is no future where our family can live in happiness. This is a really good chapter. Uh, I like the way that this, because we saw it coming as soon as them and Norman were reunited, basically, there's going to be some conflict between them, a big disagreement as to why Norman's plan is not going to, uh, be acceptable under Emma's standards. And we've seen this building up and building up and building up. And now that it's actually come out, it's done so in a very sensible way, which is just that Emma and Norman have different ideals because they've been through different stuff and they have different approaches to life and they're just different characters at their core. Norman is the chess master. He sees things every move ahead. He sees things. He plans for things by what is the worst possible thing that my opponent could do to me. And you know, he's the guy who thinks of everything as like, this is 
the way that they're going to try and screw me. And so I'm going to plan for that and screw them first. Emma is the person who has all the most faith in people and she believes in them and believes in the best of them and that they can be redeemed. And we've seen that work out pretty well for the most part, but this is why they're coming into conflict and it makes sense. So yeah, good stuff. Yeah. I, I, I was worried at first <clears throat> because the way this, this little plot detail kind of came up that like, Oh, Mujica has this magic blood that kind of fixes everything. Almost feels like a last second kind of thing to be like, here's the good solution. Uh, that everyone will want. Uh, but I do like how they, they go to show to like, no, because the demons are fucking just like every other culture where they, they want to subjugate and, you know, create disparity between people and have elites and non-elites and shit like that. And you're like, oh, well, at least uh, Norman will listen to it. Like, no, Norman's kind of become an extremist who really wants the complete eradication of demons because he won't yeah. feel safe otherwise. Like, no, it's not going to work out because people are flawed and have humanity and make bad decisions you're like you feel for emma during it like you, oh, yeah. you see the pain in her face you're like fuck like but she's getting more desperate as she goes through the conversation yeah mm-hmm. and i like the way that norma comes across in this too because he is clearly not realizing how much of a zealot he has become mm. like to him this is just the most logical option this yeah. is you know, him realizing, like, okay, yeah, thanks for pointing that out, Emma. We're going to have to kill her, too. <laughs> He's like, thanks for that info. And she's like, no! <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I really dug this chapter. Yeah. All right. Let's, Black Clover! Let's move over Black Clover with chapter 198, False Hope, cover page. Uh, it's all the game people at school. I don't recognize who half of these people are, but hey, whatever. It all seems to work. Uh, They're all wearing different uniforms, in order to represent the different, you know, guilds and stuff. Mm-hmm. So why are they all going to the same school? I don't know. Also, Jack the Ripper is a teacher there, I guess. <laughs> I think <laughs> I really that know. I think that they're they've basically <laughs> made it so all the captains are teachers. Yeah, it seems so. Uh, but there's also a poll. So if you want to vote for character popularity poll, you could do so. I don't have anyone to like jokingly tell you to put in because I don't care about Black Clover enough to put a joke answer in. So put Honey Mustard in again if you want. <laughs> uh, so the, the devil showed up and he's like, I controlled everything. Hey, Asta, I'm glad you're here. Uh, you're irrelevant to this conversation. I'm going to explain how I controlled everything. And he does that to Patry, where Patry's like, no, like this can't happen. Leash brought us back. He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I brought you back, asshole. I've been waiting. I've been waiting for somebody with the magic to kind of create this scenario again. And I saw it. I saw it in you elves that you were easily manipulated. Uh, so Aston, you know, are like, We'll fight this dude! And they charge in, and he summons a shit ton of swords. And Asta's like, there are real swords in there! I don't have anything to do with that! So, uh, the the devil uses word magic to be like, because apparently whatever he does just happens. So, yeah, he, he breaks... He, de- he makes a declaration, and whatever he declares happens, happens. So, he, uh, says vacuum wall, and basically the ceiling collapses on him, and he's like, be crushed, smashed broken to pieces, riddled with holes. They're fine later, uh, because friendship. <laughs> so, uh, the entire time, uh, the devil just explains his entire backstory to Patry, and is just like, yeah, you, I was controlling all of you from the very beginning. It's it's always been me. And It's, uh, it's, it's actually not a pretty cool little, little scene, because Leash is like, what are you talking about? Or Patry is rather, what are you talking about? Leash did all this, and I'm carrying, he entrusted his last hope to us, 
and the devil's just like, nope, I incarnated you and made it look like he, he was doing it. So you've actually created a world that he didn't want. Good job. Yeah, I fucking, <laughs> I not only did all this, I made your last fucking act a giant affront to the person who you considered your idol. Cool beans. Anyway, you guys suck. Uh, but then Aston, you know, get up. Because I don't know if you know this, Nick, but if they talk about their dream of becoming the Wizard King, they literally are unstoppable. <laughs> and if they talk about how the other per- the other one is there, then they are unstoppable, too. Yeah. So. Uh, so the two of them do that and they both get like a half of a full page spread to be like, this is why this person's awesome. So, you know, awesome because the elf that's inside of him that he suppressed because of this exact same thing of like, I have a dream of my friend, though. Uh, is is welling all up. So their combined magic Apparently is so the powerful. Apparently, the elf inside of him is Leash's child too. Yeah. So, so it's it's a pretty significant thing, and it's literally disintegrating matter around them. And Ast is activating the devil inside of him, uh, which is important because this devil says the other devil, uh, and the anti magic around him is erasing everything. It's it's very very scary. So the two of them work together. Ast encounters the magic swords, and Yudo blasts away the real swords. And uh, they're going to hit him. And the uh, devil looks like he's in for a real fight. Uh, they actually do hit him. They, the, You see the follow-through motion. And also, like, his arm is going... Yeah, it's kind of tough to tell because the devil has no expression to him outside yeah, of grinning. So. Okay, a couple things. Uh, first off, if this does not... I'm making a lot of Bleach references this week, but the, the opportunity keeps arising. Um, if this does not end with that moment where Aizen stops Ichigo's Bankai with one finger, then you're doing it wrong. Uh, secondly, um, on paper, this whole reveal of the villain and why his abilities were allowing him to mask himself as, you know, a member of Patri's group on paper, it's like, okay, that's, that's a pretty clever reveal. Uh, but certain things just needed to be set up more clearly in order for this to actually work as a twist. You can't subvert expectations if you didn't have any expectations to begin with. And I mean, I think that the guy that he was posing as we saw like once before, if that had, if that character had been established a little bit more clearly, or if we had seen him in disguise uh, a little bit more, then this would have had at least a little bit more of an impact seeing this reveal happen. So, Yeah. In, I, I, I don't know. I, I like the idea of this chapter and I do like some of the stuff that the devil does at the beginning, but it's one of those things where it's like, I don't really have any faith that this is going to, you know, be interesting next chapter. So. All right, let's wrap it up with One Piece. One Piece, chapter 936, Sumo Inferno. Uh, we begin inside of the prison as Raizo is talking with uh, Kamatsuri, Kawamatsu, rather, uh, who is the person inside of the jail cell. Uh, and they're like, I need you to get the key to the, my cage and the key to the cuffs so that I can get out of here. Uh, and Raizo's like, okay. And he also has to escape from the crowd that's coming after him. Meanwhile, Queen has decided that the uh, execution is going to be done via Sumo Inferno, uh, which basically Hyo and Luffy are fitted with these collars and these like, yeah, so 
if you leave the sumo ring with this on, blades pop out and kill you. The claws will slice your head right off of your neck. Uh, and Luffy can't get it off of himself. And he's like, yeah, they're not made to be re- removable. So uh, all you have to do is keep winning your sumo matches. If you fall off the arena, you die instantly. You two are a team. If you both fall, your execution will be complete. But feel like joining our pirate crew at any point, then Straw Hat alone will be freed. On our side, we've got weapons, we've got numbers, and we've got no collars. I have no limit on the manpower at my disposal. So to make things more fair, I'll remove your sea prism stone cuffs. <laughs> as soon as this happens, like, oh, that's how he's getting out of this. <laughs> he just immediately takes them off and Rizo's like, I worked so hard to get this key, though. Although he does note, he's like, oh, maybe I don't have the right key. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Luffy's immediately like, oh, you're really nice. You basically just freed me from being captured. <laughs> and Queen's like, You've still got the collar on that'll take your head off, though. He's like, eh. <laughs> so, um, Luffy says, hey, balloon guy, if I knock you out, will you set us free? And Queen's just like, you don't listen to people. Fine. Uh, and the other guy's like, ah, let us take him down. Ah, ah, death match, death match. And uh, a bunch of them rush. And of course, uh, Conqueror's hockey. <laughs> they immediately knocked out. Um, da, 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 da. We cut over to the bathhouse. X Drake's trying to find some people. He's trying to find Soba Mask. Where did he go? Do you wonder where he could be? He's there in the bathhouse, Nick. It's Sanji. He's uh, fine on Nami. Um... Yes, that's true. They're also looking for someone who has the mark of a winning crescent moon on their ankle. And they're like, ah, everyone move. And, and Nami's like, how does he know about that? And they're like, search them. And Shinobu's like, the plan has leaked. Also, Robin's eye appears on her hair because I guess she's hiding behind her, I guess. I guess that's it. Nami's towel comes off and everyone goes, Aah! Even some, like, girls, I think. So it's like, oh, okay. Um, and Sanji also is revealed because he gets a nosebleed and his cloaking disappears. And they're like, oh, my God, Sanji's here. And uh, Sanji ends up um, recovering at least enough to carry everyone out of the bathhouse and fly away with his skywalk. And uh, he's like, it's no good that they learned about the ankle tattoos. And there's one other piece of bad information Beppo and his friends have been captured. They want to use them to lure out Traffy. We need to get him under control or the entire city will plunge into chaos. And of course, one of them was like, and what were you doing? And you were doing what during all of this? Like, ah, good point. Uh, checking out boobies, sir. Yeah. That is what I was doing. <laughs> no shame. <laughs> and finally, we cut over to Ringo in the northeastern part of the island where... Uh, fucking Zoro has found this giant weapons collector guy who has returned the famed Shusui to the resting place of the grave of the legendary samurai Ryuma. Uh, and, or he says it was stolen from there. He's like, it's back where it belongs now. And he's like, turn back or else we're going to take your other two katana as well. And Zoro's like, you've been uh, collecting a bunch of weapons. Turns out we need them. So I'll be taking it with me. And they engage in battle. 
All right, well, okay. we're going to see where this goes. A lot of cool yeah. stuff going on. Honestly, I kind of wish we'd been following a lot more of Zoro during this arc. <clears throat> yes. Even though this arc has no real personal stakes for Zoro, uh, Zoro just feels thematically and like flavor-wise like the character we should be following in the samurai world. Uh, so I, I do hope we get some more Zoro throughout this, because he's a character where, honestly, I kind of want to see more of what he's doing. It was nice to see him again after uh, he disappeared for a little bit. Yes. Okay. It's going to do it for the Kamanga recap. Let's name our favorites for this week. Favorite chapter and MVP. Uh, I'm going to give my favorite chapter to the Promised Neverland. And my favorite, uh, my MVP, I'm going to give to Francois. I'm going to go on a similar line of thinking to you. Uh, my sixth of the week is Promised Neverland. My favorite character this week was Ryusui. Okay. Very close. Uh, and then in the audience, uh, Ryusui is Ryusui. Ryu Sui, Ryu Sui is the MVP, and it's a tie between My Hero and The Promised Neverland for MVP uh, <laughs> series of the week, rather. Cool. All right. Well, guys, that's going to do it for Week in Manga Recap. We want to thank you all who joined us for the live recording as we uh, experimented with this uh, different kind of setup. Uh, you can join us for the live recordings here on smashcast.tv slash royalty, twitch.tv slash royalty. We tend to record the show on Mondays around 7.38 p.m. Eastern time. But for uh, changes to that, you can also follow us on social media to find out exactly when and where we're going to be doing it. At Dipomar Podcast is the official podcast account. At Rolo T and at Nick F Time are your hosts. Also be sure to check out our past episodes on weeklymongerehap.podbean.com, YouTube, iTunes, subscribe, rate, comment, all that good stuff to help us up in the algorithm, and to rise to the top of the hobby section and dethrone the woodworking podcasts. Be sure to send us feedback and ask us questions for future Q&A episodes via email. WeeklyMangaRecap at Yahoo.com is the place to send those. And also suggest future manga for us to read on the Discord server, where Ninja X3i has set up an entire spreadsheet where you can look at all the stuff that's been uh talked about before all the stuff that we've got as current recommendations that you can chime in on uh, say if you want to add something to it or also just say like hey i also want you to see to uh, read this series especially let's go out to our patreon supporters this support allows to create all sorts of fun bonus content for you guys to enjoy we had a conversation about magic the gathering lore and nick learned a lot during that conversation oh, a lot a lot and uh yeah also thanks go out to see matter terrorist and to infamous planet yes and I believe next week is when we're going to be uh, talking about Yu-Gi-Oh! The manga. It's time to discuss the Yu-Gi-Oh! manga. Exactly. All right. That's going to do it. Goodbye, everybody. Bye! <laughs>